30% tax credit for solar, a six-year extension of the 30% um, tax credit for um, utilities. Anyway, a whole bunch of them. The problem is, is that the Senate, which is due to debate and vote on its version of the bill, will could strip out all of the pro-solar provisions in the House version. Members of Solar Nation, our solar citizens, have done wonders this year by sending thousands of messages to their elected legislators, urging them to take the right course. Could you possibly send one more time at this critical time for our senators? You can go online at C-A-P-W-I-Z, that's capwiz.com, slash re-action.gov slash G-E-N energy vote. That's kind of long, isn't it? Huh. You think they could come up with a simple one. Yeah. But, I mean, currently there's a 30% tax credit that um, businesses can get unlimited tax credits or um, individuals can get a $2,000 tax credit if they install any pretty much any type of energy efficiency, including solar power. Um, but it's set to expire. And as of now, they have not put it in the Senate bill at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't usually get riled up about political things, but huh. it's taken them 10 years to write an energy bill. Yeah. And they still have not done it. Well, I guess they just don't have the energy to finish the process. <laughs> <laughs> The power of the people is not electrifying our senators. So, I missed the happening here. Where is it? Here we go. Chris Evans, coordinator of River to River Cooperative Weed Management Area, will be given a presentation on the problems caused by invasive plants at the Shawnee Group Sierra Club meeting next Thursday, December 13 at 7.30 p.m. at the Carbondale Township Hall. All are welcome. For more information, call Barb at 529-4824. And I guess we'll be right back with the news right after this. Oh. <laughs> or not. Right after that. A little moment of... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the CD got stuck. Yeah, I think so. we do better when we're half asleep. I uh, I only just started recording for the podcast a minute or two ago. <laughs> <It's like laughs> So uh, those of you tuning in on the web will hear, you know, you have missed out on our gems of wisdom for the first few minutes of the show. Yeah, we are definitely, <laughs> we slept good last night. Yeah, time, I slept really well. I got an eight-hour sleep, which is rare for me. So, But anyway, shall we jump straight into the news then? I think so. <clears throat> okay. Uh, another pun, as we often have. Our first story, don't say we didn't warmer you. Senate Environment Committee approves the... Lieberman Warner Climate Act, or the Climate Bill, rather. <laughs> a climate bill with a mandatory cap on U.S. CO2 emissions cleared a significant hurdle this week. America's Climate Security Act, co sponsored by Senators Joe Lieberman and John Warner, uh, was voted through by the Senate Environment and Public Works Committee after an endurance testing nine and a half hour hearing. It will now go to the floor of the Senate for what is likely to be a contentious debate and vote. The bill was neither considerably strengthened nor weakened during the nearly endless hearing. Republicans, mainly Jolly Jim Inhofe of Oklahoma and gay old Larry Craig of Idaho, 
introduced some 150 amendments, many that were clearly aimed at gumming up the process. Senator Hillary Clinton uh, introduced an amendment calling for a 100% auction rather than roughly 40% free allocation of the bill's pollution permits, uh, which is a holy grail for Greens, but only Clinton and Senator Bernie Sanders voted for it. After the hearing, a jubilant committee chair, Barbara Boxer, called it the greatest legislative accomplishment in uh, her political career of 30 years. Straight to the source. Uh, let's see. The roundup of Lieberman-Warner action in the Senate Environment Committee and Boxer's statement on Lieberman-Warner and the Mercury News. I got this. Listen. <laughs> and now the news. Logging went a in. Part of healthy forest law struck down by courts for skirting environmental reviews. A key part of the Bush administration's healthy forest, I'm saying that on quotes, law passed in 2003 was effectively struck down this week by a federal appeals court. The, quote, hazardous fuels reduction rule let the Forest Service get out of analyzing the environmental impacts of timber sales up to 1,000 acres in size and prescribing <clears throat> burns up to 4,500 acres in size, at least until after the sales and burns had already happened. Yay! Uh-huh. The judges ordered a lower court to issue an injunction halting fuel reduction projects under the law that were filed after October 2004 when the Sierra Club and the Sierra Forest Legacy filed the lawsuit. The appeals court also ruled that the Forest Service caused, quote, irreparable injury, end quote, by not appropriately studying the cumulative environmental impacts of logging and or burning more than 1.2 million acres of national forest lands each year. Straight to the source, Associated Press, the Sacramento Bee, and the Sierra Club press release. I like the, uh, the thing there, you know, let's... Do a bunch of big timber sales and a bunch of prescribed burns, and then look at the environmental impacts. <laughs> <laughs> Something seems backwards about that. Anyway, in other news, air pressure. States petition the U.S. EPA to regulate airline emissions. The U.S. EPA should regulate greenhouse gas emissions from aircraft going in and out of U.S. airports, say five states that filed a petition today. Quote, the EPA has abdicated its responsibility in this area for years and it won't do its job until it's legally required to do so, said California Attorney General Jerry Brown, who joined with Connecticut, New Jersey, New Mexico, Pennsylvania, D.C., and New York City to marvel at the incompetence of the country's environmental agency. A gaggle of green groups filed a separate, similar petition. Air travel is responsible for about 3% of U.S. greenhouse gas emissions, and domestic aircraft emissions are expected to rise 60% by 2025. But a spokesperson for the U.S. Air Transport Association poo-pooed the petition, saying that, quote, commercial airlines already are driven to be as fuel efficient and environmentally conscious as possible. Straight to the source, Associated Press, Bloomberg, USA Today. Now, those big birds burn so much fuel, I don't know how they can poo-poo the idea of doing something to check that <laughs> well they've actually um are testing now a uh, hybrid 
Hybrid airplanes. Yeah, hybrid airplanes. So. Don't hate the player, hate the game. Green Group tests toys for toxins and then publishes the results online. You may recall, remember that a child's plaything or two has been recalled for high lead levels recently. And by a plaything or two, we mean one or two million toys. So it's a tad troubling that in testing 1,268 toys, the Michigan-based Ecology Center found that 35% contained lead, mercury, cadmium, and or arsenic, and only 23 of the actual toys had been recalled. 17% of the tested toys exceeded the federal recall level for lead. Plenty of toys don't have these chemicals in them, says the Ecology Center's Tracy S. Hope. The toxins in toys is a problem we can solve, and it's a problem we should not have. It's something parents should not have to worry about. Perturbed parents can check out the Ecology Center's full searchable results of the testing at healthytoys.org. Again, healthytoys.org. Straight to the source, the Detroit News, the Wall Street Journal, Associated Press, and the Washington Post. Toys without lead. Sounds like a good idea, eh? <laughs> Especially with kids. Yeah. <laughs> so, in other news, what part of Go Away Don't You Understand? Severe precipitation in the U.S. significantly e- increased over the past half century, says a recent report. The number of severe rainfalls and snowstorms across the U.S. has increased by around 24% in the last 50 years says a new report from Green Group Environment America. In five states, Louisiana, Massachusetts, New York, Rhode Island, and Vermont, instances of heavy precipitation have jumped by more than 50%. Let's put it this way, quote, What was once the storm of the decade will now seem like an everyday downpour, says Mywer Baig of the Green Group's Pennsylvania affiliate. Oregon was the only state with a statistically significant drop in the incidence of heavy rainfall since 1948. Ironically, Oregon, along with Washington, this week was pummeled by a rainstorm that shut down the main highway, caused five deaths, and prompted both governors to declare states of emergency. So I guess Oregon's trying to catch up there. By the by, climate change is likely to increase the intensity of storms, in case you'd forgotten that little tidbit about climate change. Straight to the source, the New York Times, the Times Tribune, Baltimore Sun, and and the Oregonian. So we're in for stormy weather. (laughs) (laughs) So, Brad Pitt wants you. Yes, you. Brad Pitt wants me. Yeah, to help with his NOLA green building project. Brad Pitt. Oh my God, he's so dreamy. Yeah, yeah, that's what it says. I that's what it says. We just sorry. read the news here. Sorry, here's a reflex. Now, where were we? Brad Pitt unveiled designs submitted by architectural firms for his Make It Right campaign to build 150 affordable, sustainable, storm-proof houses in New Orleans. Architects were asked to design a 1,200-square-foot, three-bedroom house for about $150,000. Pitt also unveiled the design of pink fabric houses in, in NOLA, otherwise is New Orleans, 
Louisiana, NOLA, in hopes that the eye-catching public art will ensure donations to expand the Make It Right project beyond its original goal. To build these 150 homes, we need the help of the American public, says Pitt. We need to all join together to do this. There is no reason why we can't do a thousand homes. He hopes that foundations, companies, and individuals will contribute by adopting a house or a portion of a house. Quote, you can adopt a tankless water heater or a solar panel or a tree, or, well, you can adopt the whole house. You can give it to someone for Christmas. Straight to the source, makeitrightnola.org. And they have a really nice little website where you can actually walk through the design of the house and click on the different parts of the house you want to donate, hmm. including, well, solar hot water, solar electric, um, a cistern for water storage, a tankless water heater, um, trees, native trees, etc. So hmm. Sounds make, good. Makeitrightnola.org. Huh. So let's see. In other news... Having a Bali. Having a Bali. <laughs> UN Climate Conference opens in Bali, Indonesia. Plenty is going on at the United Nations Climate Conference in Bali, Indonesia, where delegates from nearly 190 nations are gathered to lay the groundwork for a post-Kyoto climate treaty. Conference leaders have said they aim to have a new treaty ready to go by 2009. In the meantime, there's no short shortage of things to bicker about. This week, delegates debated the role of China and India in a new climate treaty. Japan and Canada suggested the two developing nation giants should be required to make deep cuts, while other nations and some environmentalists suggested that the two might need more time. The anti-poverty char charity Oxfam joined Bangladesh, Cambodia, and Papua New Guinea in their calls for more aid from richer countries to help them both fight and adapt to climate change which is expected to hit poorer nations the hardest. For its part, on Monday, the U.S. delegation said, quote, we're not here to be a roadblock. <laughs> That's good to know. The positive contribution is we're not here to gum up the works. <laughs> However, with its insistence on only voluntary emissions cuts at a conference specifically aimed at churning out a binding agreement on mandatory cuts, the U.S., if not a roadblock, seems to have left the road completely. <laughs> Uh, that, that giant SUV has swerved and ended up in the uh, the climate change ditch, apparently. <laughs> Straight to the source, Reuters, Agence France Press, and Associated Press. Now I think it's the time to read the quote from John Marburger III, the chief science advisor to President Bush. Quote, We're probably further ahead in actually doing something about greenhouse gases than most other countries. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's an interesting quote. So, doing that quote, and then, no continent is an island. Australia ratifies Kyoto Protocol. On his first official day in office, new Australian Prime Minister Kevin Rudd ratified the Kyoto Protocol, committing his country to deep emissions cuts and putting ever more peer pressure on the United States. Now, the only industrialized nation still holding out on Kyoto ratification, which is us. I am proud to say we are the lone gunman in this. <laughs> We're number one. We're number one. <laughs> number one? Well, 
we're last in the list, so how does that make us number one? <laughs> but we're number one in uh, defying Kyoto. <laughs> now, full official ratification for Australia is still 90 days away since the UN has to do its bureaucratic waiting thing, but Australia has done its part to commit to emissions reductions under the treaty. Australia's official declaration that we will become a member of the Kyoto Protocol is a significant step forward <coughs> in our country's efforts to fight climate change. Which, it's kind of true, actually, because Australia was... It, they've outlawed incandescent bulbs. Yep. Because <laughs> they're so energy wasteful. Yes, they were pioneers. I <laughs> mean, technically an incandescent bulb... Well, 80% of the energy goes to produce heat and only 20% to light. Yeah. So technically it's a heat element, so... Yeah, you even see it used that way in some places like restaurants and fast food. You'll see the heat lamp keeping things warm. That's true, yeah. That's what incandescent bulbs are. They're heat lamps. So let's see. A report recently came out that the U.S. could slash emissions at little cost through boosted efficiency. Boosted efficiency. <laughs> <laughs> The U.S. could significantly slash its greenhouse gas emissions, quote, at manageable cost to the economy, says a new study from consulting firm McKinsey & Company. Assuming no significant <laughs> change in consumer lifestyle, researchers did an in-depth cost-benefit analysis of various opponents for reducing greenhouse gas emissions. Their conclusions? Clean coal is expensive and unproven. Increasing renewable energy resources would make a relatively modest contribution and raising efficiency of buildings, appliances, and automobiles would be the easiest and, the, in the end, cheapest way to do the job, which is totally true. Um, putting in solar is not worth it, really, unless you've done energy efficiency. The key would be to be incentivize. The key would be to incentivize. Is that even a word? I don't know. They might have made that one up, but we'll go with it. <laughs> <laughs> the key would be to incentivize manufacturers and builders to improve to boost efficiency as short-sighted consumers are swayed more by cheap upfront costs than by products that will save them money down the line implementation of a relatively cheap cheap entirely doable plan to reduce greenhouse gas emissions quote will require strong coordinated economy-wide action that begins in the near future says the report We'll get right on that. Straight to the source, USA Today, Reuters, the Mercury News, and the New York Times. Huh. I just looked it up. I guess incentivize is, in fact, an official word. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's like... Well, I mean, truly, to go green now means to make green, because energy efficiency means you're not wasting, and waste is pollution, but more than that, it is money lost. Yeah, waste not, want not. <laughs> exactly. So, let me throw this in real quick. Guess what? <laughs> you have just listened to the news on your community spirit. We hope to see you again next week. In the meantime, remember, just because it is the Christmas season does not mean you have to waste all that money you do not have. <laughs> So, we'll see you again next week. Yes.